Toph, would you say you and Aang have a rocky relationship? So tell me what's going on in the in the Twitter sphere, Danielle. A lot, actually. That's an Avatar quote. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, you, actually. Oh my god, you can't just take random everyday words and just think it's an Avatar quote. It is though. <laughs> Fine, but um, <laughs> what, yeah, what's going on? So Avatar was kind of trending like twice in the past week or so. First, it was trending because there was a 3D model released for 8th century Baghdad, and everyone mm. said that it just it was basically bossing say. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was just like, oh, there's this cool historical model of like an old city, and everyone's like, ah, yeah, bossing say, hell yeah. <laughs> like everyone was just like, you can't just show us a picture of bossing say and lie to us. <laughs> there is no war in bossing say. Yep, there. There is no 3D model of Baghdad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. It, it, if you look at it, sorry, this is a podcast, but like if you look at it, it it really does look like it. It it does. Um, it, it has, has the like walls, the, the circular wall. It it's, it looks very sprawling. Like uh, it it resembles greatly of like those overhead shots, like the um the eagle eye shots of like the actual city once you get there. Yeah, but and if you look, it even has like an inner ring to it, which mm. um if you remember, like there's different class rings in Bossing right. Say, so I, it checks out. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. The next reason um Avatar was trending is. A little bit of a controversial topic. Um, oh, no. So we all know that there's another attempt at making a live-action Avatar, and it's going to be on Netflix. And it's controversial because the showrunners of Avatar have already stepped away from the project. What, when was that? Like nine months ago? That was like yeah. last summer mm -hmm. they announced that. So everyone's kind of worried because, <laughs> like, why the fuck are you stepping away from this? <laughs> like, uh, we need you. <laughs> uh, like, there was obviously something that they didn't really like that was going on. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, it probably just wasn't, er, not probably, definitely wasn't going in the direction that they were hoping it would right. go in for a live action series. So it's been reported that in the live action, they're doing a character change um and they're changing katara so that she's going to be the older sibling so she'll be around 16 and sako will be around 14 hmm. and ang will still be 12 it's which like, i think is fucking ridiculous <laughs> well I, I i it's such a small change it i can't help but wonder why like what, what the, made the reason i think it's fucked up is because yes obviously it'll still make katara the more like adult in the relationship and sokka will still be the immature one but i liked that sokka was the older one and also like the more immature one yeah it kind of challenged that whole dynamic where even though Sokka might be the older one, Katara still res resumes, you know, a lot of responsibility. And and a lot of a lot of Sokka's arc is him growing into that role of like the soldier yeah. and the protector and, you know, him he really is he's not the leader of the group, but he really does take on a leadership role. The thing is, I I still think that they could potentially still pull off their relationship and still have it so that way um he is still trying to be the protector it to me the like in the in the beginning age didn't matter to me as far as their like when i was watching the the show at first i didn't really care or it didn't really register that katara was younger and sokka was older and that's how it should be so like 
I don't mind the change, but at the same time, I, it makes me wonder, like, why? Like, it's such a small thing to me. It doesn't matter. Well, also, I mean, if you think about, like, listen, at this point, Katara and Aang are definitely canon. They have children together, which is the whole setup yeah. to Legend of Korra. Like, right. without them, <laughs> like, Tenzin doesn't exist. <laughs> and Boomi doesn't exist. And, and uh, Kaya doesn't exist. And and then the new airbenders don't exist. Like, right. you know, all the, the Jonora, everyone. And so... <laughs> I think what's also weird is that she's going to be 16 and Aang is going to be 12. So there's no like mm, romantic yeah, it, thing it that is, could it is happen tighter. in this live action, which is fine. I mean, if I think if they get together later on in their lives, that's, you know, understandable. But I think they're trying to push it is the weird. Zutara thing. You mate, are you sure? I think so. Because they That's are, a hot take. Netflix is already, you know, it's already rumored that Netflix is trying to make it darker and more edgy. And it was also rumored that the creators originally like toyed with the idea when they were making yeah. the animated series of having Zuko and Katara be together. And so, and I think the, the live action creators kind of see that as like a, some weird <laughs> like teen drama opportunity uh yeah to make it more of less more of a teen show than a kid show I guess. and so i think that that that's why they're touring with this relationship more but honestly like 14 and 16 isn't a bad age gap either so i don't know why they would change the age for that maybe i i don't know i'm at this point it's all pure speculation i you know me i don't really like speculating i know the, uh, i just like i like how katara is so young and she just becomes such a bamf she, she like, grows you into know her, she's she's a waterbending master at the age of 14 like you know i just yeah and i like the that Sokka is goofy but he's still like you know he has to be the role model and then like because he he's he's the oldest and you know he has to take care of all these kids that's my <laughs> thing like i i just don't see the um i i understand why people might be outraged because it's so small but there's already more there's already been more red flags to me with the whole um creators leaving than than this controversy i don't know that's this i think people are also just worried that with this whole mention of netflix trying to make it a little more grown up they're worried that katara is gonna somehow be sexualized Mm. let me let me read what some like twitter saying someone responded the whole point of Qatar being younger was that she became the parent in the family after their mother died and their dad left and it's supposed to have meaning yeah but if she's already the oldest like that's expected of her yeah that you you know that that is true there is already an expectation if she's prescribed as the older one yeah <laughs> can't wait for netflix to cast a 27 year old white woman as Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> This summer, Scarlett <laughs> Johansson is Katara. Someone, someone just re- responded with a picture of Natalie Portman and young Anakin Skywalker. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Are is, you an angel?" <laughs> this is gonna be Katara and Aang, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, when you brought up the potential that there's a Zutara, I think that is, I think that would be a lot cooler. Um, to see because i think it, it would be a neat to see a reinterpretation of the series in that way with zutara yeah i think so no you don't think so am i what's wrong with that are you are you a closeted zutara shipper and i'm just finding this out now? <laughs> no i'm just i'm just down for change uh you know 
I I'm very worried. I'm definitely worried. But at, at the same time, I am also okay with um switching it up to subvert expectations. Hey, I was a last Jedi fan. What do you expect? <laughs> we're not we're not even gonna get into that. Okay. Well uh, let's uh But well I'm just saying that a lot of people are worried that uh aging her up is gonna allow the creators to sexualize her. I think that's a common fear. Yeah, well we'll have to wait and see. I guess so. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to Rocky Relationship and Avatar the Last Airbender podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aaron. Can you can you make that more? That was so lame sauce. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Rocky Relationship and Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aaron. And today we're looking at chapter six, Imprisoned. Ooh. So, Danielle, you had... Uh, <laughs> you I had, had a lot of shit to talk Yeah, last you, you were so ready to shit talk this episode. I watched it. I'm like, that was a good episode. That wasn't bad. It was a good episode. I will say this animation in this episode was beautiful i yes. really like how they shot it i know they didn't shoot it but it seemed like it was animated being, yeah how they animated it, it seemed yeah. how, like it was being shot like a movie like the production yeah. levels were really <laughs> through the roof they were trying to like you know really do a lot did with they, the animation in when they released it on netflix did they like hd remaster it i'm not sure i remember watching it when we we bought it on youtube like when i watched it for the first time like a year and a half ago and i didn't remember the quality of the animation being this good when they put it on netflix so i feel like they digitally like remastered it for these earlier seasons to make the animation just like pop a little better maybe i mean it's a far stretch from when i watched it on nickelodeon (laughs) like non-hd you know yeah um (laughs) But it wasn't a bad episode. I, think, I thought it was good. I thought the themes of it were, were very well handled. Yeah. I thought Katara, like, you know, as for as much shit she gets <laughs> for this episode, I think, you know, her intentions were great. And she did end up, you know, yeah. helping a lot of people. I think it's just like, I'm starting to get that that first season slump of like, <laughs> I just want them to like, you know, advance the story more. Yeah, and I'm kind well, of like yeah. getting a little tired of these one-off episodes. What I think why last week you were a little more um, <laughs> ready to shit talk it is because we don't see. Do we see Haru again? Like, is he ever? He comes back like once though. Yeah, he comes back for the the day of Black Sun. Yeah, so I remember when I first watched the whole show, and finally Haru came back. I'm like, wait, what? Like haru out of nowhere (laughs) so when i think back to the episode that he originated from i can be like oh yeah haru haru was in that he's like not a character that i ever see ever so why should should i care about this episode he's definitely like oh it's like i said it's a one-off and it's not even like a one-off and it's like suki and she comes back or even boomy who still like only like plays an important role later on like he's just he kind of like he's kind of a okay (laughs) (laughs) well because suki came back she was a recurring character she became like part of the gang in the end yeah um that's what makes me excited to rewatch. you know her first episode the Mm -hmm. origin episode and what's great about her is she's been around since the beginning so like her coming at the end it just made sense yeah you know and and boomy comes back to be part of like the order of the white lotus which is cool Mm, like yeah. yeah so the order of the the the, the old guy the gang. old daddies <laughs> <laughs> old daddy gamer club <laughs> yeah yeah well i i mean haru's a good character i think his whole situation's really interesting i like it's like a, well it's a complete parallel to katara essentially as far yeah. as like um katara yeah uh, what, what do i mean 
we're, we'll get into we'll it. We'll get into but it, yeah. <laughs> my my opinion has changed a bit of this episode. I do like it. Um, it's not my favorite still. Yeah, but... it's not the best episode, but I think um, with the ideas that it's dealing with and what it's trying to um, tell the audience, I think it's a good episode. Maybe I'm just missing Zuko a lot. Yeah, I maybe he's been kind of like out of the episodes for what the, was la- the last episode was the was Amashu. Warriors yeah he Warriors of Kiyoshi he kind of came in at the end he didn't really have a lot to do well we are getting just the... ready the rhinos that was his only line <laughs> um so he's I, been taking care of the rhinos this whole time yeah like so I, I'm just missing Dante Bosco's smooth voice you know I'm just I'm missing his character I'm missing we, his ponytail we have Solstice Part One and Two next week yeah. So I think, yeah, I think we're going to see him soon. I think that's what it is, because I really like his storyline. Yeah. So I'm just missing it. All right. Well, (laughs) let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Some of you may think that the Fire Nation has made you powerless. Yes, they have taken away your ability to bend, but they can't take away your courage. And it is your courage they should truly fear, because it runs deeper than any mine you've been forced to dig, any ocean that keeps you far from home. It is the strength of your hearts that make you who you are. Hearts that will remain unbroken when all rock and stone has eroded away. The time to fight back is now. I can tell you the Avatar has returned. So remember your courage, Earthbenders. Let us fight for our freedom! Chapter 6, Imprisoned. The episode opens on the gang camping in the wilderness, struggling to find something other than nuts to eat for dinner. They start to hear loud noises, and when they go investigate, they realize the noise is coming from a boy earthbending in a nearby quarry. Katara introduces herself, but the boy runs off. Figuring there must be a nearby town, the gang goes to look for a proper meal. While in the village, Katara spots Haru, the boy from the forest. Haru's mother seems horrified that Katara saw him earthbending. Haru and his mother explain that the Fire Nation has occupied their village for five years, terrorizing them and making earthbending illegal. This enrages Katara. She could never understand having to hide her bending. They reveal that if Haru were to ever get caught using his ability, he could be taken away, just like his father. Later that day, Katara apologizes to Haru for what she said and they take a walk together. Haru explains that when the Fire Nation first arrived, his father, Tyro, and the other earthbenders fought back, but after they were all taken, he hid his bending in fear. Walking back to Haru's home, the two discover an old man trapped by a rock slide in a mine. Haru uses his earthbending to save him. Later, in the middle of the night, Fire Nation soldiers capture Haru based on a tip from the old man that Haru saved. Using Aang, Katara fakes earthbending in front of the Fire Nation soldiers and gets arrested so she can rescue Haru. Katara is taken to the Fire Nation prison and reunited with Haru and his father. She tries to inspire the earthbenders to fight back and escape the prison, but the prisoners are too afraid and just want to survive the rest of the war. Not giving up, Katara hatches a plan with Sokka and Aang to bend the coal used for the prison up to the main yard to give the earthbenders a weapon. Katara once again begs them not to give up hope, and the earthbenders finally fight back and bend their way to freedom. Haru and his father set off to retake their village, but before leaving for the North Pole, Katara realizes that her mother's necklace is gone, and the episode ends with the necklace being picked up by none other than our boy, Prince Suzuko. 
I feel like it's in uh, Dante Basco's contract that he has to be in every other episode. <laughs> even though he didn't even speak Some, in this one. Just a couple of voice he just lines. Ha- no, he didn't even speak. It, it just has, Zuko has to appear in every other episode. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that in Dante's contract? <laughs> I don't know. Let me, let me imagine, man. <laughs> I'm just happy that he's back. Like I was saying, I'm missing Zuko's uh, angsty angsty storyline. Yeah, so it's a pretty heavy episode. Yeah, um, it's an episode that um, it's dealt with a lot in media, in imprisonment, Mm -hmm. um, persecution, and that's kind of what the theme is going to be about, um, obviously. What we're kind of focusing on is is oppression. Right. And... um, Kind of also how authoritarianism can deal and um, dish out oppression in, in yeah, those ways. Yeah, and how it can affect people's lives for years Yeah, when they're living under oppressive government. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting that they decided to say like, yeah, they've been here. This has already been a thing for five years. Mm-hmm. We didn't say in the plot summary, but... Um, the reason why they're there is because they are trying to use the natural resources, the, the coal mines, mm-hmm. to fuel Fire Nation ships. Right. And um, obviously, the Fire Nation is essentially leeching off of this yeah. village. They're, they're parasitic in nature, and um, the village, there's nothing... <laughs> benefiting themselves in this transaction yeah uh, and haru explains that you know when the fire nation first got there they tried to fight back but then all of the earthbenders were immediately captured and you know that messed with not only the earthbenders mindset Mm -hmm. who were imprisoned but the people of the village who just had to live in fear every day that you know they were either gonna you know they're they're being taxed unfairly they're all their yeah. money's going to, towards the soldiers. Their minds are being used they're, for the Fire Nation ships. They're being threatened with violence, I, I would assume, on a daily basis. Any remaining know. earthbenders in the village are living in fear like Haru. Right. Um, and, Her- and not only their village, but they've occupied um, many villages around that area. And that's where all those yeah. earthbenders are coming from. Yeah, so it's kind of a wonder that... Because uh, we do see more earth villages later in the series that are... Um, occupied by the fire nation mm-hmm. so it makes you think that the island of kiyoshi is like an outlier yeah like they, they're they're very lucky they yeah they've been able to um stay out of it so far yeah um thanks to suki and the girls <laughs> <laughs> and you know we see later they actually after you know seeing ang suki and the rest of the kiyoshi warriors are inspired by ang and they do try to go out right. and uh be more involved in the war and the actions against right. the Fire Nation. Well, same thing with Haru and, yeah. and his father Tyro. They mm-hmm. um, that you know they eventually make their appearance later. Um, yeah. and aid in their fight. You can see that the just the idea that Aang is back and the Avatar has returned is right. such an inspiration to so many people um, because they've had to live like this for years. Yeah, and they've just had to accept it. Like the these Earthbenders have just accepted their situation and they're just hoping that they're gonna make it through the rest of the war. I think it's funny. It's such a funny idea to me that this little boy, this blonde <laughs> boy dancing around is just bald boy <laughs> this oh sorry you said blonde, blonde. <laughs> i'm so sorry can this... you imagine if ang was blonde <laughs> <laughs> he would look like uh the 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 prince knight from uh shrek i'm just imagining that type of blonde <laughs> no sorry um the this bald little boy just dancing around everyone yeah just inspiring them and he's so he's so goofy he's literally the reason that like 
people are fighting back against an oppressive <laughs> tyr- tyrannical government. <laughs> yeah, essentially. But um, speaking of fighting back, um, the a whole central kind of pillar in this episode is not only oppression, but um, hope. Yeah. And I think what's really neat about this episode is um, that, yes, hope is the answer in a situation like this. But you can't get hope by just giving a fancy speech. You can't get hope by just talking to people like Katara tried to do. She Mm -hmm. tried to motivate the prisoners on the on the shipyard um, to fight back. But she was just using her words. (laughs) She was essentially like uh, just standing on the lunch table. Yeah. (laughs) Fight back. No homework. What's um? What's this? What's uh, in SpongeBob when they're picketing? It's like Krusty Krab is unfair. Mr. Krabs is in there, standing at the concession, plotting, plotting his, his oppression. oppression. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what Katara is trying to do. It, it's like a. It's like when you said a recess at lunch. It's like the show Recess when they literally have like a king like yeah. at their recess and yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, let's talk about Katara and like this well, episode. Well, wait. I wanted to finish my point. Yeah, yeah. Here, because what I was kind of going at is. She's trying to use her words to motivate them, you know, trying to get them to fight back. But that doesn't work. They need something concrete, mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better word, concrete. But they need something tangible and something that they can use to fight back. Yeah. And so that's where they get the idea of basically funneling coal out so that way the earthbenders can use that coal to fight, literally. And so by putting this weapon in front of them, that's what gives them hope. That's what allows them... Because what's been happening is that since they're on this ship and they're surrounded by water, they're utterly powerless, mm-hmm. the Earthbenders. I mean, this is pre-Toph. It's, it's made of metal. Yeah, Toph has entered the chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is pre-Toph, so there's no metal bending yeah. yet. Nobody knows how to do that. Um, and they're also on water, so that's just another kind of thorn in their side Mm -hmm. and surrounded by firebenders surrounded by by firebenders like there's just nothing that they could do literally hopeless literally hopeless yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but um once they finally get that yeah get coal in front of them get their essentially their Their element they're back in their element they're (laughs) that's that's a good way of putting it they're back (laughs) they're back in their element they're getting they got their power finally and now they can fight back so but i i do want to talk about katara because obviously yes they don't they're not able to really fight back until they have something concrete. But Katara's whole journey this episode, you know, people may be annoyed by her like speeches about hope all the time and <laughs> her speeches about her mother. But if it wasn't for her, these people would still be locked up. Oh, 100%. She, you know, she is always so, let's start with like the beginning of the episode. She's always so excited when she sees another bender. Yeah. <laughs> like when she first met Aang, she's like, teach me, even teach though me, he's an airbender. <laughs> and so she sees a uh, earthbender and she's like, oh my God, it's an earthbender. Yeah. Um, and she's heartbroken by the fact that earthbending is illegal. She doesn't care about the money being yeah. taken from the people. <laughs> right. She's She's absolutely astonished. She says uh, when she kind of finds out that earthbending is banned um, from Haru's mother, she says um, it's a part of who we are. Yeah. You know, she's just so shocked that something so intrinsically linked to someone's identity could just be severed. Yeah. It's not just like a martial art that they practice. It's it's within them. It's their um it's their culture, it's yeah. their fighting style, it's their lifestyle, yeah. you know, bending I'm sure is very convenient no matter what 
element you can Yeah, it's bend. not just for fighting. Like, yeah. you use it in everyday <laughs> life. But, yeah, so she's heartbroken by that. And she's already trying to be like, what? Like, no, you can't you can't do that. And yeah. they're like, dude, like, we got to. We got to hide it or else Peru's <laughs> going to be literally arrested. Yeah. And, um, you know, she kind of realizes that she spoke out of turn. And so she speaks with Haru. They bond over their missing parents from the Fire Nation. Um, I do have to say, uh, since it's so secretive and it's like a taboo, I do you think that Haru could have been just a little more quiet while practicing earthbending? Well, it's, it's earth. It's rocks. I know, but <laughs> it's like... Probably, it's, it's arguably the loudest element uh, to bend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and Haru mentions, like, when they're bonding over their parents, Haru mentions the only way he can feel close to his father, who's been gone for the last five is years, through is earth through earthbending, because yeah. he taught him everything he knows. So it's, you know, it's really hard for him just like Katara said, to oppress that part of himself. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, Haru does a great thing by rescuing this little old man trapped <laughs> in the rocks. And that old man is automatically the worst person in the world and <laughs> <laughs> turns him in. I'm so surprised that, it, or not surprised because Sokka wasn't there, but Sokka with his paranoia, he could have immediately fire nation spy yeah fire nation spy. <laughs> don't save him <laughs> <laughs> get that guy out of here <laughs> but obviously like katar and haru are good people so they're gonna try to save yeah. him and i think honest like not to make excuses for this old asshole but uh, <laughs> this this boomer but um <laughs> like he it, it's just an example of how messed up this village is i mean yeah, they've been living the under this tyrannical hand of mm. the Fire Nation for five years. At the a, guy probably got a reward for turning yeah, Haru in. Yeah, I was about to say, it's at a point now where the villagers are willing to turn each other in. They're it, on the side of their oppressors almost because yeah, they have to be to survive. Exactly, and that's where we get into when um, Katara was trying to motivate and Tyro just, like, when, when nobody stands up, nobody's ready to fight, and she's so heartbroken as to why that is, and Tyro's just like, we're trying to survive. This is yeah. It's all we no can do at way. this point. We're just waiting for something to happen. But it, you know, she. I love the speech, the first speech she gave, um, because it, it goes to world building on how you know Katara's never seen an Earthbender before. She's never been out of the Southern Water Tribe, but they have these legends of like the other nations that they like yeah. fantasize about. Like like you know, th you know, in her mind, she is told she was told stories growing up on how like these the earthbenders were these brave warriors who mm -hmm. were so courageous and and you know fear meant nothing to them uh, and courage was really like the uh what she thought of when she thought of the earth nation so to yeah. see all of these people just downtrodden and you know so i don't want to use the word oppressed again but oppressed yeah. <laughs> like you know they imprisoned are, shackled like you know any semblance of hope has just been utterly squashed at this point all of their courage has been taken from them and that's you know she tries to be like you, they can't take your courage away you, you think that they can but they can't and she's trying to inspire them and you know it doesn't do anything but she's not giving up like she yeah. doesn't she doesn't just escape back with ang and Sokka. she tries again because she doesn't want to leave these people and that's a that's a theme of Qatar. She really she tries to help out people as they go along in their journey. Um, she's very caring. You know, she's not just a yeah. motherly figure to her group. She tries to take care of everyone, mm -hmm. um, which is a beautiful 
uh, thing about Katara. Yeah, it's a beautiful trait. And so what is part of her whole identity here also, we finally are revealed the significance of the necklace. Yeah. Um, surrounding, you know, on her neck, obviously. I was going to say. Surrounding her, her neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the necklace that she wears and... That is from her mother, yeah. who had passed away. Um, or was killed. Killed. <laughs> killed by the Fire Nation um, during a raid, raid on her village. And um, that necklace was left by her mother. So it carries a really heavy significance. And that's why I was, that's what we were talking about earlier, where her story parallels with Haru's. Yeah. In that the Fire Nation has completely torn apart. Their family. His family. Mm-hmm. Yep. To, um, his father is on, you know, basically a slave. Yeah. You know, on, on the shipyard. Her mother, sorry, his mother is um, struggling to keep their lives afloat. Struggling, you know, has to pay these outrageous taxes. Um, is worried her son is going to be arrested. Is rightfully worried. The, <laughs> he does the end shot, up being arrested. The shot of her face when Katara looks at her um, the morning after Haru was arrested, Ugh, like. I wish I could say it's acting, but it's not. Yeah. It's just animation. But oh, it's so good. Drawn very like well, yeah. it's drawn so well. Like you could see like her heartbreaking, yeah. like in her face and the animation. That's why this animation is just amazing. Yeah, it. it I mean, the show's amazing. That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Since their family has been torn apart, it's mirrored essentially with Katara's family. Yeah, and she's experienced the same feeling of loss. Mm-hmm. I mean. To she, a to a bigger extent, because her mother was killed. But she uses that time and time again to relate to people, and yeah. people think it's annoying because she's always talking about she's her just mom. Being but sympathetic. she's yeah, she's being sympathetic. She's being empathetic, and she's relating to these to people. Yeah, through it, through her experiences. Yeah. And I mean, no one can fault her for that. <laughs> hey, I do the same thing. And anytime someone's telling me a story, or if I'm trying to appeal to someone. And I'm trying to cheer them up or maybe relate to them in a way. Yeah. I will use a story of my own yeah, to relate exactly. to them. Yeah, so, exactly. It's, I mean, it's called being empathetic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> people need to get off her ass about talking about her trauma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, we've already seen it. She used it to calm Aang down, you know, when, mm-hmm. and we'll see it time and time again. And she, there's also a meme of her talking about hope all the time, and it's yeah. it's even made fun of in the, in the show in the Ember Island players. I mean, I don't think that uh, it's unwarranted. I think it is something that she just constantly is always talking about. But in these, in some circumstances, like this one, yeah, this is if, like if the, she didn't talk about it, these people would still be in prison. So. I mean, she had she had an out. The original plan was to um, get out after twelve hours and only save Haru. Yeah, but she was like, "No, I, I, ha- there's something bigger. I have to help these people. Yeah, I have to help them. I can't this, leave this them. Is, this is too big to to leave alone." And then, as you were saying, like they finally break through to the Earthbenders when they get their element in front of them, and also when uh, I think it's it had a lot to do with uh, the warden's speech about them. Yeah, he was. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's talk about the warden. That you bring him up. George Takei, baby. <laughs> Our boy, Georgie George Takei. They get, like, such A-listers to like, <laughs> speak on this this show. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he and he did a great, great job. <laughs> great delivery of I his don't lines. Know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about just a George Takei random one-off villain. I don't know. Like, 
I loved it. it. It took me out of it personally. I mean, I think if I didn't know it was George Takei, I probably would have thought it was great. But his voice is just so unique. See, I think I liked it because I didn't. I mean, first when I watched it, I had no idea who George Takei was because I was yeah. like, you know, a yeah. kid. Uh, so in my mind, the voice was always just the warden's voice. It never was George Takei in my mind. So just like how Admiral Zhao is uh, Jason Isaacs. Right. You know, it's just it, to me, I didn't recognize those voices as a kid. Well, so. Jason Isaac's voice, I didn't I, I can't even like if I'm if I'm going to listen to Admiral Zhao speak, I have to really kind of strain yeah, my ear to, to the American accent him. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. George Takei, he doesn't even like try to change it up. He's but just, I, I love it. Like, Hello, I am the warden. Was it a buffalo or a bison? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean that was the only captain? I threw over the only captain what? overboard. So, I love it. But yeah, so I mean, his roasting of the prisoners was absolutely uncalled for. He was basically like, look at their stupid faces and how depressed they are that i'm (laughs) imprisoning them like you know they're hopeless they're not gonna do shit against me like basically talking all this crap and then he took away our coughing guy oh yes i think (laughs) he took away a coughing guy i have a theory (laughs) (laughs) oh i so when the prisoners when qatar is being loaded into the prison the the warden is giving a speech and through it uh, one of the earthbenders coughs. Is that earthbender the same coughing earthbender from Omashu? I mean, I don't he... know how, I don't know where, I don't know when, but maybe he was, he stumbled upon a village that was overrun by the Fire Nation and he got captured. Maybe if he was like a master earthbender that knew how to like earthbend his way all the way over to that village. Yeah. You know, like how, remember how Toph. Like she rock would, slid. Yeah, rock sliding. <laughs> rock skiing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a theory. I think it's a sound one. You can disagree. I don't with... think it's sound <laughs> at all. Just because he coughed. <laughs> you don't think that that's him? No. Nope. Anyways, uh, yeah, he basically roasts these poor people, and that's what gets them to finally, like, fight his ass and beat his ass to the ground. Right. They dunk him over the ship. Can we get a that's rough, buddy, for George Decay as course. he gets dunked over the ship? Of course we can. That's rough, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, like you said, it was, it took Katara, like, motivating them. It took the coal being put in front of them. And it took George Decay, you know, rubbing it in their faces on how hopeless they are to really, like, light that fire under their feet yeah i mean he was such a dick (laughs) this entire episode he referred to the earthbenders as no the earth bending uh, yeah earth bending as a whole just as brutish savagery this episode really showed you the darkness of the fire nation yeah i was thinking that too they and you can pretty much see their plan on winning the war it's not on just you know, taking over all the nations. It's literally like eliminating it's, other bending styles. Yeah, it's persecution. It's oppression. It is wiping out an entire, um, basically ethnic group. Yeah, you know, they've cu- already ethically cl- ethnically cleansed the airbenders yeah. pretty much. And I was trying to think of like how we could possibly compare this to history. And I was thinking about, you know, the Holocaust. But in that sense, it's not fair because this is such a, it's a general representation and there's so many different it's you know, a general, factors with every, you know, 
um, historical genocide that's happened. Yeah. And so I don't want to directly compare it to one over the other, but it's a... It's a representation of the fear of the other, the hatred of the other, and um, persecuting a whole group of people based on one trait. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Which we see time and time again in history, you know, and obviously the Holocaust is an extreme example of it. Um, But... Yeah, they're they're basically their path to victory is one they wiped out the whole air all the airbenders. They're uh, uh, imprisoning earthbenders just specifically for earthbending Mm -hmm. because they don't want that threat looming over them. And then we eventually see them try to wipe out waterbending as a whole in the northern water tribe. They've already wiped it out of the southern water tribe, and they already wiped out airbending a hundred years ago. Yeah, so So their their path to victory isn't just taking over all the villages; it's literally like wiping out a whole group of people. It's to make sure that there's no opposition of power to the Fire Nation in any way, shape, or form. Everything out of balance completely, because obviously you can't just have the fire element and not the other elements. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it, it just shows you how sinister the Fire yeah. Nation is and what the stakes are. Right. Did you have any favorite bending moments or anything? Oh, yeah. So my favorite bending moment is uh, Momo bending the rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to explain this? Scene? <laughs> yeah. So when Katara, tries, Momo can't bend. When Katara tries to get arrested, um, <laughs> she has a fake fight with Sokka. Great acting, by the way. You yeah. giant eared cretin. <laughs> he's so offended by it. He is. I mean, he's really insecure about his ears. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they try to, uh, they have these vents set up and Aang is supposed to bend air through a vent to make a rock float and look like Katara's bending it. But Momo happens to be standing under it <laughs> with his arms raised when the rock flies up in the air. So the Fire Nation soldiers... This, these are dumb Fire Nation soldiers, by the way. <laughs> like, this whole village. Oh, and, you think like, they, they were very smart to fall for their terrible <laughs> acting? They were like, the, the lemur is bending. He's earthbending. That's one of my favorite, like, quotes. I remember that being in, like, the trailer for this episode. The lemur, he's earthbending. And you're, like, watching this trailer, you're like, what the fuck is going on in the next episode? <laughs> Coming right up. Yeah. <laughs> Momo's bending. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I loved that part. I mean, that's a classic, like, laugh out loud moment. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite bending moment has to be um, when, they're, when they're all fighting um, on the shipyard and Aang uh, just... <laughs> I think this is just such a I don't it's not my favorite bending moment. I think it's, it's the so silliest. Ridiculous. I think it's the silliest bending moment when Aang fun, like creates an air funnel and he's just uh circulating his hands and he's just like, "Come on guys, put the coals in here. <laughs> Give me some coal." Yeah, it's like, okay, they animated I understand we can see it. Yeah, we can see it as the audience. They the animators show an air funnel, but I really want this scene to be recreated in the live action. Well, they try to... Or, sorry, Why do we always try to... Why do we always talk about this M. Night Shyamalan? No, I'm not not talking about that. I I, I misspoke. Well, I'm just saying, like, it was already tried in the movie, and I hope that the (laughs) show does it differently. But, yeah, if I'm... It looks like just air, like wind. (laughs) If I'm imagining how the movie CGI'd air, I'm just imagining this exact scene in the TV show where I just want a real-life Aang to just just move his hands around with air being generated a little bit, and then just, like, the people around him, like, where the fuck do you want me to put the rocks? It's like he's holding, like, a, like a tuba, and, like, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> like there's a funnel like. at that. Yeah. 
he Aang, Aang was just goofing around this episode. <laughs> I, I, my favorite line from him is, I wish I could make a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, what? It's like, the warden would run, run away and we could grab his keys. <laughs> just, just random Aang thoughts. Well, yeah, this was definitely not Aang's like, primary episode he was not yeah it was it was a katara moment yeah but i i don't have an i don't think there was really any ang faces that that were notable my ang face is just i wish i could create a hurricane (laughs) yeah so let's let's have an ang moment my favorite ang moment is when um they first get to the village and you just hear ang talking to a merchant he's like oh cool hat would you take some nuts for it? <laughs> it's like, and then the and then the next scene when the the Fire Nation is threatening violence against Haru's family and they're demanding more taxes, Aang is wearing that same hat that he traded like a bunch of nuts for, and he's just like standing in the background with his goofy looking hat. I just I don't understand why they don't buy clothes like like they do in the Fire Nation eventually when they're hiding in the Fire Nation. Right. Why don't they just buy Earth Nation clothes? They obviously look yeah, out of place. That was another thing. It's like. He's, he, Haru literally mentioned it. He's like, look at their clothes. Look at what they're wearing. They're crazy. Yeah. Well, last episode, they made such a big effort to disguise Aang. Yeah. And he had a whole alias. This episode, Crawling with Fire Nation Soldiers, put on a hat. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, it's I, that's a little weird. It's a little inconsistent. <laughs> but, but like I said, okay. the Fire Nation soldiers in this town are idiots. So that is they true. They did not notice. <laughs> they have proved their, uh, their, their dumbassery yeah, in this definitely. episode. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, did you have anything you wanted to plug? Anything you wanted to shout out? Uh, follow our cats on Instagram. Once again, the first thing we have to plug is Top our cats. Top underscore Instagram. underscore boomy. Yes. Follow us on Instagram at Rocky Relationship. Follow us on TikTok. Rocky Relationship Pod. Yep. That's pretty much it. Catch Next us. Next episode, we'll get into the summer solstice. Wait, summer solstice? That was the winter solstice. Is it the winter solstice? Catch us next week as we take a look at one of the solstices, part (laughs) one and two. I think you're right. It's a winter solstice. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Bye.